Section seventeen of Wings and the Child by E. Nesbit. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter seven The Poor Child's City. When my city was built at Olympia, a great many school teachers who came to see it told me that they would like to help the children in their schools to build such cities, but that it would not be possible because the children came from poor homes, where there were none of the pretty things, candlesticks, brass bowls, silver ash-trays, chessmen, draughts, well-bound books, and all the rest of it, which I had used to build my city. So then I said I would build a city out of the sort of things that poor children could collect and bring to school. And I did. My friends, Mr. Annis and Mr. Taylor, who were helping me to explain the city and show it to visitors, helped me with the building. We did it in a day, and it was very pretty, so pretty that the school-teachers who came to see it asked me to write a book to say how that was done. And so I did. There are no words to express half what I feel about the teachers in our council schools, their enthusiasm, their patience, their energy, their devotion. When we think of what the lives of poor children are, of the little they have of the good things in this world, the little chance they have of growing up to any better fate than that of their fathers and mothers, who do the hardest work of all and get the least pay of all those who work for money, when we think how rich people have money to throw away, how their dogs have velvet coats and silver collars, and eat chicken off china, while the little children of the poor live on bread and tea, and wear what they can get, often enough too little. When we think of all these things, if we can bear to think of them at all, there is not one of us, I suppose, who would not willingly die, if by our death we could secure for these children a fairer share of the wealth of England, the richest country in the world. For wealth, by which I mean money, can buy all those things which children ought to have, and which these children do not have—good food, warm clothes, fresh country air, playthings and books, and pictures. Remembering that by far the greater number of children in England have none of these things, you would, I know, gladly die if dying would help. To die for a cause is easy. You leap into the gulf like Curtius, or fall on the spears like Winklereed, or go down with your ship for the honour of your country. To lead a forlorn hope, to try to save one child from fire or water and die in the attempt, that is easy and glorious. The hard thing to do is to live for your country, to live for its children. And it is this that the teachers in the council schools do, year in and year out, with the most unselfish nobility and perseverance. And nobody applauds, or makes as much fuss as is made over a boy who saves a drowning kitten. In the face of enormous difficulties and obstacles, exposed to the constant pinpricks of little worries, kept short of space, short of materials, and short of money, yet these teachers go on bravely, not just doing what they are paid to do, but a thousand times more, devoting heart, mind, and soul to their splendid ambition, and counting themselves well paid if they can make the world a better and a brighter place for the children they serve. If these children, when they grow up, shall prove better citizens, kinder fathers, and better, wiser, and nobler than their fathers were, we shall owe all the change and progress to the teachers who are spending their lives to this end. 
and this I had to say, before I could begin to write about how cities may be made of such materials as poor children can collect and bring to school. For I have to own that poor children live in such little crowded houses, that there is no room for the building of cities, and in the courts and streets where they play they cannot build, for the passers-by would tumble over their cities, and the policemen would call it an obstruction. So if they have a city at all, it must be where they have most of their pleasant plays, at school. Besides, the children I have in mind are so very poor that no one child could possibly collect enough materials for a city. But a number of children could each of them bring a few things, and thus make up enough for the building. And in most schools there will be some children, not quite so poor, who can afford a penny or so for tinsel paper, and the few things, colours, paints, and so on, that do not occur naturally in a house, even a well-to-do house. These, let us hope, will be able to furnish a few old chessmen, for there is nothing like chessmen for giving an air of elegance to domes and minarets. If you cannot get chessmen, small clothes pegs are good. You can cut them in halves, and then you have two kinds of minaret. They can be coloured red or dark brown, or, if your city seems likely to lack metal, you can paint them with gold or aluminium paint. They look well when cut shorter as the battlements of buildings, rather like halmer men, but of handsomer and more rotund proportions. Your halmer man as you buy him in a box is ever a bit of a starveling. If you cut your peg into three, the middle section will make short round pillars to support little galleries, the roof being a strip of millboard or the lid of a narrow box. Cardboard and wooden boxes of all sizes and shapes are always easy to get. These can be coloured as explained in another chapter, and little doors and windows cut in them. But be sparing of windows. Too many windows detract from the dignity of your tower, and make it look like a factory. In poor schools there will not be many bricks, and something must be done to add variety to the facades of buildings when there are not enough bricks to cover or decorate your boxes. A good deal can be done with haricot beans, tapioca, and sago. Fasten the beans round the doorways and the windows with glue or secotine or plasticine. If you use glue, let the bean work be quite cold before you do anything else with it. Next day is an excellent rule. When the beans are quite firmly fixed, glue the surface all over and sprinkle thickly with tapioca, so that not a bit of the box shows. Leave the tapioca lying on the surface till next day, then turn it up, the loose tapioca will fall off, and leave a pleasant, rough-cast-looking surface. Round cardboard boxes, such as muff-boxes or biscuit-boxes, make splendid towers treated in this way. If you cannot get the little round yellow periwinkly shells, maize is very good if you cut each grain flat with a sharp knife, and fix the grains with glue as pillars and arches. Tin boxes or round tins polished to silvery brightness, with doors and windows and crenellations of black passe-partout, can be built into palaces of astonishing splendour, as you can see in the picture of the silver towers. But always beware of too many windows. Other excellent towers are jam-pots. You can paint them any colour you like, but I advise you to stick to terracotta, cream colour, and dark brown. 
Very pretty towers can be made out of white jam-pots with windows and doors and crenellation of gold paper. Only you should outline the gold with ink or dark stain to make it show up against the white. Basins that are cracked make good domes, and you can almost always get a cracked basin, however poor you are. Teacups that have lost their handles, or had a piece bitten out of them, are also not hard to get, and the lids of teapots that are broken, and of saucepans that have been burnt through, come readily enough to the hand of the collector. Honey-pots and the little brown jugs that cream is sold in are easy to come by, and make moorish-looking domes for buildings. When once you begin to build, you will find that all sorts of things that before looked neither useful nor beautiful become both, when they are built into your city. Look at the bedstead knobs in the Elephant Temple, and the pepper-pots and the teacups on the top of the Tower of Pearl and Red. Those children who are lucky enough to go into the country for a holiday can collect fir-cones and acorns. Nicely shaped bits of wood are more easily come by in a country village than in a London slum. Acorns are most useful, both the acorn and the cup. A brown building with doors and windows outlined in acorn cups, with their flat side set on with glue, looks like a precious work of carved wood. If you can't get acorn cups, the shells of Barcelona nuts are good, but they are difficult to cut into the needed cup shape. The shells of peanuts on a stone-coloured building look like carved stones, but always the nutshell must fit its edges tightly and neatly to the surface, and show as a little round neat boss. Your own observation will supply you with other little and valueless things, which will become valuable as soon as you stick them evenly and closely on a foundation of their own colour. The periwinkly shells and the maize grains look best on white wood. The shells of the coconut have a value all their own. The larger ones, sawn neatly in halves, make impressive domes for brown buildings, and half a small coconut shell will roof a cardboard box that has held elastic bands, and you can call it a thatched cottage or the hut of a savage chief. I called mine Coconut Cottage, and the curator of my botanical museum lived there. The chief astrologer, of course, lived at the top of his tower, which was a photographic enlarging apparatus. Ponds and rivers can be made with the silver paper that comes off cigarettes, and I have made a very impressive tower with match-boxes, painted black and piled one on another, so that the blue side shows in front, with a touch of red at each side. Black windows, if you like. If you cannot get any chessmen, the pinnacles of your buildings must be clothes-pegs, acorns and fir-cones, with a very occasional piece of lead pencil, or short piece of brass tubing with an acorn or a fir-cone on the top. Fir-cones, too, look quite baronial, stuck upright on the posts of gates, and they are good edging for paths and roads. Pill-boxes make nice little turrets, and cotton-reels, coloured to match the bricks and the boxes, are the finest flower-tubs in the world. With sprigs of evergreen stuck in them, or a little made rose-tree, they look quite lifelike and convincing, especially if you paste a circle of brown paper on the top of the reel, to look like mould, before you stick your shrub in the hole so conveniently placed in the reel, apparently on purpose to have shrubs planted in it. Cotton-reels with acorns or fir-cones on them are good on the top of gate-posts. These are just a few of the things that poor children can get, and the way they can use them. 
the moment you begin to build, you will think of a hundred things that I have not thought of, and a hundred ways of using them that I should not have thought of trying. If you can so arrange the site of your city, that it need not be disturbed, it will grow in beauty day by day, and you will presently have to name a day to satisfy the children who will want to bring their parents to see it. If you give a school party, no other attraction will be needed, and you will find that neither children nor parents will tire of examining your city as a whole and in detail, exclaiming at its beauty and marvelling at its ingenuity. And the children will love it, and so will you. If you are disposed to take a little more trouble with your towers, you can cover them with cement, and mould the crenellations and windows with your fingers. The cement is made of newspaper, size, and whitening. Tear up two newspapers and boil them in four quarts of water for three hours. Then pound the paper in a large mortar, or squeeze it in your hands till it's all pulp. It will have an unpleasing grey colour at this stage, but in the end it will be creamy white. Then add equal quantities of size and whitening, and a pinch of yellow ochre. Mix thoroughly, and let the mixture get cold, when it is ready for use. If it is too thin, warm it again, and add more whitening, but do not let the mixture boil after the size has been added. When the mixture with which you have covered your tower is dry, it takes some days, it will be hard as stone. A cocoa tin, set on a treacle tin, makes a very neat tower, as you will see by the picture. Square towers can also be made in this way, by covering square tins with the cement. In fact, with a little trouble, and some tins of different sizes and shapes, you could build a whole palace in this way. Doors can be made of black paper, and lattices of paper cut and folded, with black paper behind it, as you can see for yourself by the picture. End of section 17